You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and I will answer as many as possible. Um, you know, the world is a crazy place sometimes. Crazy. Things happening we could never, ever imagine. And you all know how much I... Um, dislike politics, and therefore, we are in a safe zone, and we will not discuss any politics. And I hear people probably running up and down the hallways. Maybe they're running from something, but it doesn't matter. Here, we're safe. I just feel the floor is shaking, so you know how it goes. Anyways, Kelsey's laughing. Okay, so we are ready for the second book in the five books of Moses. The first one is called Genesis. We are starting the second one called Exodus. And if the first book is the creation of the world, the second book is the creation of the Jewish people. As we the first book, you have Adam and Noah and the flood, and then we get to Abraham, because otherwise there was nothing good in the world. Why would the world be allowed to exist? And we'll get Isaac and Jacob, and, and eventually we get the family moving down to Egypt. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes, the stories with Joseph, this is all the world becoming the world, but that's not the Jewish people. The Jewish people are created in the land of Egypt. We start out as slaves. Moses will come down. He'll take us out of Egypt. He'll take us into the desert, through the Red Sea. We'll receive the Torah. Um, we will then build a tabernacle and travel for the next 40 years through the desert. That is... This is, Exodus is the story of the Jewish people. So if this is the story of the Jewish people, then let's talk about some things about the Jewish people and how, how it really affects everything that, that, that happened. Okay, so first of all, um, the rabbis tell us that there were three things the Jewish people were careful of in the land of Egypt. You know, we started out, and that's really back again in Genesis, um, when Jacob and his brothers all come down to Egypt with their families, they live in a small area called Goshen. It didn't have walls around it like a ghetto, but for all intents and purposes, it was a ghetto. They were living in their own secluded area to do what they wish. Uh, Joseph was going to make sure they had food, He's basically the king or second in command, right? So he's in charge of the food. He is going to feed his family. They have no worries, nothing to deal with. They just hang out with family by themselves. And the 12 tribes pass away, and the, and the 70 souls that came down pass away, and the Jewish people are starting to increase. And as they increase, they decide that this ghetto is too much for them, and they want out. And they want to spread out into Egypt and become like the Egyptians. And we did become like the Egyptians. 
the Talmud tells us when we leave Egypt and we get to the Red Sea and it's time for the Red Sea to split, the Red Sea says, God, I, I just see idol worshippers. I don't see Jews, Egyptians, they're all idol worshippers. Why are you protecting one over the other? So we clearly, it's not like we were a bunch of uh, religious Jews uh, as slaves. We were just like the Egyptians. We ate what they ate. We served the idols that they served. Some say even one of the reasons why there's a big deal with the Passover sacrifice and barbecuing it is we had to get that idol worship part out of our system. We had to really see you're eating your idol. It has no value anymore. So we we were the same uh, low lives, whatever you want to call us. We were no better than the Egyptians as as far as spirituality goes. As a matter of fact, the rabbis tell us we were so sunk in levels of impurity that if God didn't get us out right away, we were never going to leave because we would have been Egyptians. Interesting enough, so but the rabbis tell us there were three things that kept us separate. Again, even though we moved out, we acted like the Egyptians, we wanted to be like the Egyptians, but there were three things that we did different, or we didn't change. One was we dressed Jewish. I can't tell you exactly what that means. Perhaps it means we dress modestly, would be a good start. But whatever was the standard Egyptian um, fad of how to dress, we did not dress Egyptian. We dressed Jewish. We talked Jewish. First of all, it means language, right? So we spoke Hebrew, or as we say, the holy tongue, Leshen Kodesh. We spoke Jewish. And the third thing is we didn't change our names. We had Jewish names. Now, there are those who say that that's not as important nowadays because now we have the Torah. Once we have the Torah, the Torah is what's going to make us Jewish. But before we had the Torah, what did we have? So we did those three things. So now I want you to paint a picture in your mind. Paint this picture. It gives you a good idea of what is going on in Egypt. So you have your house where... You know, they didn't have churches, but you had your idol house where they would go in and you would serve the idol, whatever you did. So imagine, right, those who've seen pictures of uh, New York, you have some uh, Hasidic fellows over there. They're dressed with their long black coats and their hats and their fringes, you know, and they're talking together in Yiddish, so you don't even know what they're talking about. And Shmerel, Beryl, and they go in to the idol place. They do the idol worship, and they come out, and they're just, you know, chummy, chummy, good friends. You know, you can't miss them for the world. You know they're Jewish, except they just came out of that place where everybody does idol stuff. Then they go across the street to McDonald's. They sit down to a nice cheeseburger. I know in Egypt they weren't so into meat, but you get the picture. And they're sitting in one of the booths talking Jewish, calling out their Jewish names, dressed Jewish, but for everything else, they're exactly the same as the person who's not religious, as, the, as those Egyptians. That's the picture you need to paint. We still did things that it was clear we were Jewish, and that is going to be our saving grace. That's what was separating us, that God said, okay, you showed you're separate, I'll take you out, because otherwise we're not getting out. Um, so what happens is 
Um, and this is historical. This has happened over and over again, and we've talked about it in the past. The, um, the Jewish people in Egypt wanted to be like the Egyptians. We wanted to be friends with them. We wanted to go to the theater with them. We wanted to go to the baseball games with them. We wanted to act like them and talk like them and be like them. And uh, then we would be them. We would, as I tell you, when I grew up uh, in school in New York, part of our social studies was the melting pot. We discussed a lot how New York, and I guess America, was the melting pot. Cultures from all around the world came, and they come to New York, and they all become American. We wanted to become Egyptian. That's what we wanted. God said, I cannot allow the Jewish people to be Egyptian. There'll be no Jews left. I can't allow that. I have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I promised I would take their children to land Israel. I won't have anybody to take if they melt into the Egyptian culture completely. So I'm going to make the Egyptians hate them. The more the Jewish people try to become like the Egyptians, the more the Egyptians will hate the Jewish people. This has happened over and over. You just go through history. The Every time we try to become like the nations of the world, the nations of the world turn on us. Spain is a great example. Right? Spain kept making up more and more laws in the 1300s, 1400s. First, they made the Jews. They wanted them to convert. And they were very successful. They got a lot of Jewish Jews to convert. But then the same people that got the Jews to convert saw that the Jews were taking over their businesses. And they didn't like that. So they started making all kinds of laws. And you had to, I forgot the, the Spanish word. You had to be pure blood. I forgot what the word is. I'm sure somebody will, uh, will, will let me know. They 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 wouldn't. Uh, they made laws. You wanna you wanna work in the government. You wanna work here. You have the pure blood. There are even areas they found today in Spain. Well, it was more like twenty years ago they found it. Where you had you really had Jewish enclaves. The people weren't they weren't there was nothing Jewish about them, but they knew they weren't pure blood, and the and the regular Spaniards wouldn't marry them. It's fascinating stuff. Um, yeah, the same thing with Hitler. Right, and I was all these Jews that were trying to be good Germans and Austrians, so they would go through their birth records to find out if there was any blood, any Jewish blood in there. They, uh, they, they off to the ghettos, off to the concentration camps, right? And I was the more we attempted to become like the nation we were in, the more that nation hated us. So the pharaoh is in the same situation. The Jewish people are trying to become like the Egyptians, so the pharaoh is going to make plans to destroy the Jewish people. Yeah, it was a three-part plan, and it is fascinating as we talk about it. Um, each plan on its own should have worked. God's not going to let it work, but each plan on its own was a good plan. Plan number one, we're going to make them slaves. How they made them slaves, so uh, they tricked the Jewish people into coming to work and to make bricks, and there were Egyptians keeping track of how many bricks they're making as volunteers because, again, the Jewish people are amazing at being the best volunteers, will be the best Germans and the best Americans and the best Egyptians. We will show you that on your day where you're asking for volunteers to build bricks, we will be better than anybody. That's what we're good at. And... 
after doing this for a few days, the Egyptians stopped working. The Jews said, oh, we should also stop. And instead, instead what happened was uh, out come the whips. And uh, they said, no, no, now you're going to work. And now we know how much you can work. And we're going to demand this work from you. And they turned us into slaves. You work like a slave. When your day is over, you can't, you can't even talk. You can't see. You, you, you put a few morsels in your mouth. You collapse. That's it. You're not, you're not having a family. You're not staying married. It's not happening. But it says because of the righteous women, because of the righteous women, they made sure that they continued to have a family life and have children. They could have just let everything slide. They did not allow it to slide. Now, it is interesting, by the way. Some say, the Ramban is one of them, some say that really, really part of this plan was that as far as the Pharaoh was concerned, he was ready to exterminate the entire Jewish people. The problem was that no neighboring country would allow such an atrocity. Now, it's interesting. This is the Ramban talking in the 1300s, and uh, 1200s, 1300s, right, that no country would ever allow uh, a neighboring country to commit genocide on a, on a people, you know. But fast forward, right? You know, eight hundred years, seven hundred fifty years, whatever it was, and you see that there are nations that would allow a genocide to take place. Because obviously, during uh, World War II, that's what happened. The world, as sad as it is, yes, there was a world war because Germany was trying to conquer the world. But it wasn't that the world was trying to save the Jewish people. That's not. Uh, I mean, Hitler himself knew this, by the way, right? Because he went ahead and he offered the world, whoever wants all the Jews, you can take them right now. And uh, all of a sudden, nobody wanted us. So, uh, so the world was not such a good place. So that's something that even though the Ramban, Nachmanides, said that no nation would allow it, that obviously is not what happened, whatever it was, 80 years ago. So anyway, so the Pharaoh wanted to, to commit a genocide. Why didn't he commit this genocide? He had a problem. So how does he fix the problem? Make them all slaves. In those days, and probably even in modern history, your slave was no better than a piece of furniture or an animal. The animal does something wrong, you kill the animal. Who cares? It's just an animal. It's a piece of furniture. What's the difference? So by Pharaoh making us into slaves, he would get to the point where if he kills us, no one's going to complain. Because we're just slaves, so who cares? So the plan didn't work because the, the, if the main idea of Pharaoh's plan and making us slaves was that we would stop having children, we'd stop having families, that didn't work. So Pharaoh tries plan two, and this is something I want to spend uh, most of the rest of our time on if I can get away with it. And that is the Pharaoh called in the midwives, or the head midwives, and he says, listen here, when a boy is born, you kill it. You just kill it. If it's a girl, you can let her live. Now, at first glance, it sounds like, whoa, like, who, who would ever listen to such a terrible thing? And, but the truth is um, that that's not how people are. If somebody's going to come to you, if someone's going to go to doctors and tell doctors that uh, you're going to let these patients die, right? We're going to cut off your insurance. We're going to cut off this. You're going to let that patient die. You're not going to take it this patient. Um, you would be shocked but the truth is, um, the doctors would listen. The doctors would listen. They'd make excuses and, and quality of life. And who knows what these midwives are going to be threatened to be killed or whatever the Pharaoh is going to threaten. They would have done it. The Torah tells us why they didn't do it. 
The Jewish midwives did not kill the babies for only one reason. They did not, I'm sorry, they did not kill the babies because they feared God. That's the only reason. The Torah says, because the midwives feared God, they didn't listen to Pharaoh. That means that it's possible for a person to commit atrocities if there's no fear of God. While it may not always seem like such an atrocity till we look from a distance, but, but that's how people are. And here's a, an unfortunate but true story. And it's more than a story. And, uh, you know, all countries have their issues in America. You know, you, there was slavery, and we were, we were terrible to, to the slaves. There's nothing to talk about. And there are people out there that want reparations for it. I think it's just a free handout. But the fact of the matter is, you at least understand where they're coming from, right? Like, look what you did to us, right? It's only uh, fair that you, 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 uh, you pay for those crimes. In Israel, the 1950s, um, they had their own issue. And it was called the Yemenite Children's Affair. If you are not familiar with the story, here's how the story goes. Um, in the 1950s, um, they're, and they're documented, and the country itself has finally, Netanyahu himself, uh, in 2016, finally came to grips with it and said we're going to become more transparent. But in the 1950s, you had a lot of uh, Middle Eastern um, North African and a lot of Yemenite people that were in camps. They were very poor. They would, there's minimum 2,000 stories like this. There's documented. Um, they would go to the hospital and they would give birth. And then all of a sudden, a day or two later, uh, the nurse would come in and say, Oh, sorry, your baby died. And the family would say, Well, can we see the baby? No, sorry, it's already been buried. Is there a death certificate? We'll get you a death certificate. Or there were stories where a child would go into the hospital, maybe had the flu, maybe was sick, maybe strep, whatever, something that the baby was sick. And uh, again, the doctor would come back to the family and say, oh, very sorry, your baby died. Oh, can we, we want to make a burial. Sorry, we, the hospital took care of it for whatever excuse they made. The baby's buried already. Can you show us a grave site? Um, not today. Maybe another day we'll try to get back to you. We're very busy today. Have a good life. And this went on. They've started discovering some of these, these, these missing children because you know now everybody's into this uh, DNA business, right? They uh, forget what it's called, uh, but you you send uh, you send in you get this uh, package or something, and you take your DNA, and they they tell you who your relatives are or, or who your relatives could be and and where you come from, and people are finding relatives through this DNA, and they say, what's going on over here? And the, the child said, I was adopted. Because what happened was that the hospitals were, st- it's horrible, just even to say the words, to imagine people could be so horrible, so cruel, but they would actually take these babies and they would give them away for adoption to, um, to European families that didn't have children. The idea behind it was they were going to take these children and sort of fix them. They were old-fashioned, and they didn't understand uh, what, what it means to be modern, and they're, they're going to make it better for this child instead of growing up in this abject poverty. The child will be adopted into a good family, and the child will make something of himself. I'm sure they had all kinds of good excuses. Canada had something similar. Australia had something similar. It's not like they're the only ones that created this idea. But how is it possible? How could it be that you could go ahead and do this to people? And there were three commissions in Israel, by the way, 
to check this out. And they said, well, you know, according to our studies, um, most of these children died. Yeah, there may be a few, but uh, overall, they all died. Ridiculous, right? How could anybody think such a thing? The only possible way that you can find people to do this is because they didn't fear God. If you fear God, you understand God has rules and regulations. You understand you're going to have to pay for this. And you can't do such a horrible thing. But if you don't have fear of God, you can make your own excuses and say it's for the betterment of the child and it's for the betterment of the state. You can come up with all kinds of good excuses why it's okay and it won't bother you. Yeah, these poor people, there's nothing to their life. To bring your child into the world would be the worst thing for that child. I'm making sure the child has a better life. I know better. You don't fear God. You, you can say you know better. Somebody who fears God can never do such a thing. So the midwives did not listen to Pharaoh to kill the baby boys for one reason and one reason only. The verse says, because they feared God. It's, it's really an amazing thought. You read the verse, you say, come on, what's the big deal? I would never do such a thing. Maybe, maybe not. But we see in other situations throughout history, um, people could do really, really horrible stuff. Just, tra- just tragedies, travesty. So supposedly uh, the Israeli government uh, you know, opened up like 200,000 documents that officially were uh, sealed, and people going through them. There's organizations, like there's called Amram, I think is the name of the organization I've written down somewhere, that really gets involved in this stuff. Okay, so that was Plan 2. So Plan 2 also failed, but not because it was a bad plan, because the Pharaoh didn't realize he was up against people that feared God. But if not for that, the plan would have worked. On to plan three. Plan three was to drown the babies. And part of the plan, again, was to go ahead and to get rid of Moses. We talked about that in the in the last show. If you missed it, go check it out. You, you don't want to miss it. So, so again, they're going to go around and kill all the babies. It doesn't work. This one needed God's help, right? It didn't work because uh, God said it's not working. And therefore, it ends up that Pharaoh's daughter saves Moses, and Moses gets raised in Pharaoh's palace, right? So what kind of joke is that, right? So the plan failed out completely because God said it's not going to work. So if God says the plan is not going to work, the plan is obviously doomed to failure. You know, and uh, and then what happens? Uh, so Moses raised in the palace, and a few times Moses almost gets killed in the palace. When he's three years old, there's the famous story that he... He's sitting on uh, on Grandpa Pharaoh's lap, and he takes Pharaoh's crown. Some say put it on his head. Some say threw it on the floor. And like all good superstitious kings, one of the advisors said, Ooh, Pharaoh, he took your crown. It means he's going to grow up, and he's going to take your crown away. So like all good kings, and even in the, the Middle Ages, this was, of course, quite standard. And that was the Pharaoh says, Ooh, he's going to grow up and take my crown. Kill him, no problem. So the angel comes down, and he says, come on, Pharaoh. It's, it's a baby. He's three years old. Let's test him out. He likes pretty things. And they brought in a plate of coals and a bread, right, br- bright red coals and a, a plate of rubies. Let's see. If he likes bright things, he'll take the coals. If, he likes, if he's smart, he'll take the rubies. Now, he stuck his hand out to the rubies, and the angel pushes his hand over. He picks up the coal, puts the coal in his mouth. And now he can't even pronounce ten letters of the Jewish alphabet. He burned his tongue, he's burned his lip. So again, it's fascinating to think about. With, with all the things that God did to prepare Moses for leadership, 
he also put a stumbling block in the way that he has a major speech impediment. There's nothing to talk about. So God saves him there. And then when Moses goes out and he sees the Egyptian beating the Jew and he kills the Egyptian and, and the, the two Jewish brothers tattletale, which is amazing because Moses saved them, right? They tattletale Moses and the palace hears and they want to execute Moses and uh, God uh, helps Moses escape and then he disappears basically from Egypt for a long number of years, right? We know Moses is 80. Oh, I can't believe the music is playing already. Unbelievable. But I think we got through some of the stuff we wanted. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet because that's how we do it. Thank you to the production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I hope I've left some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.